Blog Talk Radio. Way 
right, welcome to another edition of the Urban Wire, brought to you by the Urban Coalition of Freelance Writers, where we shine a light on issues impacting the urban community. This is episode 67, and we're continuing some of our conversations from the other night. Um, On the line right now, we do have C. Johnson, and we do have Michael Snyder. How are you guys doing this evening? Pretty good. Can't complain. Cannot complain. Very good. Can't complain either. All right. Well, we're just going to jump right into um, what we're going to talk about tonight. Um, We're not going to be on here long. I just wanted to kind of finish up the stories that I started on and kind of retouch on some of the stories that I had before. Um, Before we get started, I wanted to make an announcement. Um, Wednesday... Uh, I think it's going to be the 21st, this Wednesday, from 9 to 10 p.m. We will be debuting our new show on um, the UCOFW network called Reality Check 317. Um, And um, that's featuring uh, C. Johnson. And um, C, just tell us about the the show and uh, what we're going to be talking about. And uh, what do you expect um, to come out of the show? Well, within this show, we're really going to be talking about a lot of issues that affect our society and our communities as a, as a whole, such as dysfunctional families, drug abuse, um, society norms, society, um, you know, things that really just affect our Society, the way people should dress, the way people should not dress. Um, And I really believe that with this show, people will be able to grasp a hold of the actual things that we will be talking about in hopes that, you know, they're able to learn something from it and to be able to apply it to their lives. All right, that sounds really good. Um, Once Mm -hmm. again, that show will be coming on this Wednesday night. From 9 to 10 p.m., we're going to do an hour show and see how that goes. And um, we know that the overtime time will probably be twice, but we want to kind of see how the hour slot goes. And we will get off with Jr. Um, his show will be airing in September. We have a couple shows that I've taped with him. So uh, we have a couple mm-hmm. shows coming up this fall. Um, I'm in works of um, doing a solo show. Um, that will probably be taking place or will be airing um, towards the beginning of next year called Up Close and Personal, where we go into places and we interview people that, you know, you most people, I mean, we all talk about some controversial topics. So um, I've already pretty much got footage for my first show, um, and I'm not going to tell you guys yet, but, yeah, we're we going to go inside some worlds that you're going to be like, Wow. So we're going to be doing interviews. So, like I said, this is slowly developing into a network. We're going to have a little something for everybody. Um, we're going to have something educational. We're going to have um, we're going to have things, you know, where we where we uh, go inside of issues and we we discuss issues that people aren't comfortable with. So um, mm-hmm. I want this network to be something that everybody can relate to. I'm, I'm talking to a couple people right now. That's going to be helping me out. So, you know, I don't want to give too many details away, but I, just 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 be on the lookout. 
next upcoming month, you're going to be seeing a lot of changes um, with mm-hmm. the network. We're going to have the Urban Wire, but it's going to be more of a news show. And uh, we're going to do commentary on here, but there's going to be different um, types of shows. And I think that I think that would be a better thing, um, you know, because we'll have different personalities, different shows, different, you know, um, demographics that can relate to certain people, you know. So, um, yeah, just be on the lookout if you have any ideas or if you want to um, join the team. Feel free to email me. Uh, my name is Seneca Harris. You can email me at seharris02 at gmail.com. Um, I want to remind you guys we do have a YouTube channel, which we're going to be slowly uh, turning that into a network as well. Um, you can call us at 317, uh, not 317, Lord have mercy. You can call us tonight at area code 646 um, where you can join our Facebook group page where we will have updates of our um, shows and video releases. Um, or you can send us comments or anything on there if you have anything that you want to post or any stories that you would like for us to cover or look at. Feel free to get on there. Um, look us up under the Urban Coalition of Freelance Writers. Uh, I'm trying to think if we left anything out. Michael's website, I don't know if he's been... Um, he has any updates on that. I don't know if you um, are working on that currently or um, if you have any plans for that. Uh, not yet. I got plans, but I haven't got around to it yet. <laughs> okay. Well, you can go on there and um, see what he has. He has a lot of good information on there um, right now at www.sunrisehumanity.com. And uh, you can get on there and learn a lot about spirituality um, a lot of, um, if you're into uh, metaphysics or if you're into uh, Reiki, he has a lot of good information on there uh, for those who um, are into that. Um, so I guess with that being said, um, I'm still doing some, you know, um, housekeeping things right now. I'm sending some links out. Um, just trying to get it, get the word out there that we are on tonight. Kind of did this like a last-minute thing. But um, yeah, just just turn us up and uh, spread the word that we're on. And um, once again, that number is six four six nine one five eighty two hundred. And um, I guess the first story I want to jump on tonight. I know Michael had a story that he wanted to get on, so I guess we can start with that, and then I can um, go into my story, which deals with the Florida man. And we, 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 we started to touch on this last week, but I want to really get into this story because I think there's a problem with social media. And I want to get back on that story, too, where there's a reality show with preachers now from L.A. I want to get back on that because I want to hear your uh, comments, Steve. And, uh, yes, yeah, we'll start out with your story, Michael, if you're ready. If not, I can um, jump in yeah, what okay. I got. Okay, then. All right, I was perusing uh, Yahoo's news outlets today and found a uh, zone, one up here from a website called Baby Zone, and it's been republished on Yahoo Shine. And it, the topic of the – it doesn't actually give the author's name on here, but the topic of it was five ways to encourage diversity from birth. 
So it offers five different steps that any parent of any racial background can start to do with their child from the time your child is born. And I thought it had some very interesting things in it here. Uh, it says, you know, this stuff is things that's going to lay a foundation for, you know, your kid getting out there in the world and being more well-rounded. Uh, one of the first things that it talked about was multicultural books. And it goes to say for for the many advantages that literature possesses, reading to your baby is a great way to introduce diversity into your environment. Choose books that depict renderings of real people with varying skin colors, different hair textures, and facial features. While although the messaging will be above your infant's necessarily understanding, simply exposing them to the people of color in literature can begin the development of a diverse environment. So it suggests that is one step. Uh, next step that it talks about is bilingual music. And, you know, the individual here was talking about, you know, music being a part of every culture, you know, finding enjoyment in different cultural backgrounds of music. Not only does it make your child more diverse in that arena, but it gives them exposure to a little bit more exposure to another culture. I also talked about diversity in toys in their type of toys. And this was one, you know, I never would have really thought of this, but it said, you know, Changing things up with your child as far as, you know, um, if, and I'm sorry here, I lost my spot. Raising your baby to embrace what makes us all unique while reminding them that we're all the same, all same, much the same, is the foundation of raising children who get ahead of some of the other negativity and the other negative mindsets out there. But what it talks mainly about is going to get... Uh, like, for example, if you have a girl, and stereotypically girls have doll babies, getting them doll babies of, that are other races other than what the child is. So this way the child learns to build that type of diversity there. Also was talking about in their diverse environments, um, just have actually take your kids out and let them obviously supervise, but talk to people. Uh, books, music, and toys embrace the diversity are great ways to set a foundation, but nothing will be quite as effective as creating a real-life world of varying skin colors. Take your baby out into the world and interact with all the people in it. Check out areas of your town. Visit libraries. Seek like-minded parenting groups. Uh, you know, Get them out there and just let them meet people. Let them see people. Don't hide them under little... Corners of let me ask you this, Michael. Um, let me ask you this, Michael. Do you think? And by the way, Kane just joined the line. Welcome to the show. Hello. Hey there. Hey. Good evening. Um, Michael. Yes. Sir. Um, this is a question I have, and this just is kind of like a personal. I mean, just your opinion. Do you mm -hmm. think that 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 sometimes um, parents kind of. Uh, they have difficulty trying to find that balance, like, you know, from sheltering their kids to, like, exposing them to too much. Do you think that's an issue, you think, sometimes with parents uh, with finding that balance? Because you don't want to shelter your kids from reality, but you don't want to expose them to too much too early. Do you think that? If, you know, and given I'm 
I'm not a parent, but I think that a lot of times it's like you see the polar opposites of the spectrum. You see either the sheltering to an excessive point or you see the totally wild and free and let the kids go, and it's like they never act as a parent. So I don't know. I guess in the cases as it would apply to getting younger kids to realize there's a more multicultural world out there and embrace that, you know, I think a lot of it is that a lot of parents just don't think about it. Right. I really think that's what it is. They don't think about it. It's not even probably something they necessarily think about for the majority of parents out there. If I had to guess, I don't know. But... I would kind of wonder if it's not like an out-of-sight, out-of-mind thing. It's not something they really thought of. Until probably a child says something that embarrasses them in public. Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden they're like, oops, maybe we need to address this. But sometimes kids are a product of their environment. So That's if true. they're repeating the same thing, nine times out of ten, like, it, 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 and this, is, this is what, I don't know if I was talking to you, see, or somebody, Kids are, and what 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 kind of frustrates parents sometimes is like, kids are a mirror of the parents, and sometimes when you look in the mirror, you know how you look in the mirror, you don't like what you see, and when your children are acting out or they're engaging in certain behavior, um, I know who I was talking. I was talking to my at work about this, and we were just talking about how a lot of parents dog their children out and they belittle their children around other people because they can't stand to see their child because they know that that child is a mirror of them. And if your child is um, acting out or they're engaged in behaviors that you do not approve of, chances are you need to look at how you raise them. you got to look at are you uh, the role model because the children are going to emulate the parents. So I think a lot of times that, um, we, uh, well, not, not, I'm not going to say we because I'm not a parent myself, but I'm saying a lot of times parents get upset because, and, and then you see how the child acts out, you be like, wow, you know, the child is just like their, their mother or their father. You see what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. I think I, that was... I that really was, appreciated <laughs> the article standpoint. I thought that was something that I haven't seen put out there a lot, and I think that's a, a good message that, you know, they put that out there, and that's something that parents can start considering at a much younger age because children are not programmed to hate. <laughs> right. You know way. what? This this reminds me of something I watched uh, a couple days ago. I went to archive.org and was just poking around, and I found um, that famous documentary that was on TV back in, I don't know if it was the late 60s or early 70s, where the teacher ran a little experiment to teach their her third grade class a lesson about racism and prejudice. Are you guys familiar with that? It's no. called Eye of the Storm. Not familiar with it. Not familiar. Um basically she she just did a little um exercise one week to, you know, give these kids an idea of what it feels to be on the receiving end of prejudice and racism and that kind of thing. And, you know, so one day she was talking to the class and saying, you know, kids with people with blue eyes are smarter, they're cleaner, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, Look over there, there's there's Johnny, he has brown eyes, and he's... Yeah, I remember that. 
Yeah, it's it's really interesting. You can find it at archive.org slash details slash eye of the storm underscore two zero one three zero three. If I could say something too, please. Go ahead. Go ahead. Um I think you know really what Michael was reading was very great because um Children do need to learn about those things because that will, you know, help them to actually prosper as they get older. But just to elaborate just a little bit more on what a couple of you all were saying, you know, it is true that when it comes to um, bringing up children in the way that they should go, you have to understand, just like uh, someone had said, children are like sponges. They are very impressionable. You know, what they see is what they're going to do. What they hear is what nine times out of ten they are going to say. And, you know, that's why it's very important that whatever type of lifestyle you have, don't live it around your kids. Because if you don't want them to display the type of behavior that you are displaying, it's just better to just teach them and show them the actual way that they should go. Because when they get 15 and 16 years old and you try to tell them, okay, you know you're not supposed to be doing this, the first thing that they're going to say, and I think I was telling this to you, Seneca, the first thing that they're going to say is, well, you were doing it. This is what I saw from you. So it's just very important that, you know, kids need to be shielded from those types of things and they just need to be taught the actual things that's going to help them to prosper in the right way. Right. And that's and that's and that's I think that's a good note to um in that story on. Uh I think that sums it up. <laughs> um the next point I wanna get on because I know um I, I really want to get your opinion on a couple things, see. Um we were talking mm-hmm. about the whole Oprah situation last week and then we're gonna get to the Facebook yes. um thing. And I have a couple other things. I wanna talk about this interview I seen with Lindsay Lohan that Oprah did. And it just kind of okay. um reiterates the point how People around a lot of these celebrities are only telling them what they want to hear. They're not; they don't have the best interest in heart. So uh, mm-hmm. we're gonna get to those stories. But I want to know um, what is your opinion about the whole Oprah situation? Oh, uh, <laughs> let me first start off by saying this: that um, I really believe that that woman was totally out of her mind. I think that this was just an entirely racially motivated thing. Um, I don't even know if the woman even knew that that was over, but even if she did or did not, that's not the factor. That's not the thing. The issue with that is is that she looked at the woman's skin color and just assumed that she did not have the money to be able to purchase this handbag or this purse or whatever the thing was. And for her to assume that she would not be able to purchase this and then try to, quote, unquote, embarrass her by showing her something of lesser value, that was an insult. And um, and I truly believe, like a whole lot of other people were saying, that this woman should have lost her job. She, it, it should have been some type of reprimand because, you know, like we all say, Oprah can buy about 25 hand purses times 
infinity if she wanted to because she has she has those resources and she actually um prevented that store from you know getting that sale and i think uh like to piggyback on what you said Seneca when we were talking about this that that woman is in there and she's working this job and knowing good well she can't even afford to purchase the handbag that she was that Oprah was in there willing to buy. So, you know, so I just, so just to sum this up, I truly believe that this was entirely racially motivated. She looked at skin color and just automatically assumed that she did not have the money to purchase that. And that was just crazy to me. Well said. And that, that kind of goes along with what I was um, wanting to say, too. You know, um, mm-hmm. I, I mean, because to me, Oprah does not present herself as someone that does not have class. She does not mm-hmm. present herself as someone that when she goes in the store that she's there to play games. You see what I'm saying? So mm-hmm. to me, that was, I, I agree with you, it had to be. You know, she does not seem mm-hmm. like somebody that's coming in there with a food stamp and liquor store mm-hmm. burger budget. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Like she, she wasn't coming in there looking to get a you know discount. She was there. To look for, mm-hmm. what she, you know what I'm saying? And, and it, to me, I just think Absolutely. that that's crazy. And I think that's a lesson well learned that people need to take heed that you Absolutely. cannot judge anybody by skin color. You cannot judge um, anyone mm-hmm. based on skin color because you you never know. That's right. And this this that's should right. teach them a lesson. You know, mm-hmm. she is one of the most richest and influential people in the world. Hell. She was the one, I believe she's the main one that put Obama out on the map. Like, she was responsible for putting him, nobody knew who he was before he, you know what I'm saying, before mm-hmm. his campaign. So you're talking about a very influential and powerful woman that has spoken to just about every powerful person in this world that, you know what I'm saying, I mean, mm-hmm. she, she, is the, she is a force not to be reckoned with. You know, so, Absolutely. like, you know, you know, for them to, you, you just you people just need to not. I just people just need to just be aware um, that um, the world is full of diversity, and you have to um, embrace that. And if not, you're gonna you're gonna fall your, find yourself falling behind. You know, so mm-hmm. just wanted to just bring that back up um, briefly. Now um, the next story. Speaking of Oprah. And I think this is a good segue into our next story. Um, I want to get on um, the interview that she did. Um, it, it aired last night, but I think they played it again tonight, um, where she interviewed Lindsay Lohan um, on her show called Oprah's Next Chapter on her network. And what I took away from before I read this article from um, from Yahoo Yahoo News. I took away, because I didn't watch the whole interview, um, but what I did see and what I took away from what I what I saw was a lot of celebrities are living in this world where they have a lot of money, but really when you think about it, they don't really have a lot of true friends. And, and, and as I always say, I'd rather have an honest friend, I mean, an honest enemy than a fake friend. And Mm -hmm. I think a lot of things, and I've seen part of it tonight, and what I took away from the main thing 
it, 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 it overshadows the, the, the drug addiction and the alcohol addiction because she didn't admit to her being, it's not just alcohol, but it's drugs that she's been addicted to. But what I took away from this interview is uh, pretty much she has surrounded herself and she and she she's a very unhappy person. She has to have people around her, no matter if they mean her harm, just for approval. And to me, she has a lot of these people around her that don't care about her. They're telling her what she wants to hear. They're there spending her money. They're there partying with her. They're there living it up. But they're not telling her what she needs to hear. And I, and I take that away. That's what I took away from that. And I don't think that she's really taking her recovery serious because at, at one point towards the end of the interview um, Oprah asked her like so what's next and I guess she's talking about she's planning on moving to Europe and Oprah pretty much advised against it like you know that's not really a smart move for you at this point because you're just getting out of rehab and you know over in Europe they party hard you see what I'm saying mm-hmm. that's just that's the center of it. sexual euphoria drug euphoria everything that you want everything you need all that's going on over there, and you know, and that's not a big thing to them over there. So I really took those key things away from that interview. Now um, I'm going to read you this interview from uh, with a story from Yahoo. I mean, it's not too long. I mean, just highlighting some points, and, and, and these points can be related to, to just like Justin Bieber that's doing all this silly stuff because he has all these people around him that's just egging him on to do silly stuff, like he's out here spitting on fans and doing all kind of silly stuff. But uh, I'm going to read this article really quick. And um, it's from Yahoo News, or actually it's Yahoo OMG. It's their entertainment section. And it says, why Lindsay Lohan wants to go to jail and four more things we learned from the Oprah interview. Okay. Only four days after leaving her sixth rehab stint, Lindsay Lohan sat down with Oprah Winfrey to take what promised to be her most truthful and telling interview today. Sporting a rather prim orange dress and a slick ponytail, the Kenyan star did her best to prove that she's changed. But while she did a reasonable job, the sit-down interview itself was sort of dull. Um, okay, this is one of the points. She wanted to subconsciously subconsciously go to jail. Though Lindsay told Oprah that getting sent to jail was her biggest wake up call, she claims that when it happened she didn't see it right away. See it that way. At that point I strangely, you know, being in my addiction and everything and having all the chaos around me, I was so comfortable with. I somewhere inside knew um, and kind of wanted to go to jail. The formerly troubled star revealed. And I think that it was subconsciously being put out there by me just by my actions or lack of thereof. I think that I, I was just to find, I think it was just to find some peace and just to have no choice but to just sit and be. Number two, she finally admitted that she's an addict and her her drug of choice is alcohol. Um, 
anyways, that's nothing new. I, you know, whatever. Number three, she has tried cocaine ten to fifteen times. Um, I don't need to get into that. Okay, <laughs> but I guess like from what she said, that she, um, she said she's never injected anything other than B twelve shots. That's what she claimed, and it went kind of hand in hand with the drinking and party. So. Um, that's that. Number four, she is a quote-unquote very spiritual, unquote, person. It seems that Lindsay took a page from Oprah's book even before sitting down with the media mongrel because she made a point to emphasize her spiritual side. I am a very spiritual person, and I've become more spiritual as time is going on, she mused. I'm really in touch with it, whether it's prayer or meditation and you know there are so many powers greater than me in the world. I've been blessed and lucky enough to have been getting the gift I can share with other people. Bullshit. All right, number five. She was originally planning to go to Europe a few days after Oprah, Oprah's interview, but the, the behest, behest of the host canceled the trip. And I'm going to read this part. At the very end of their chat, Oprah asked Lindsay if, it was true that she was planning a trip to take planning to take off for Europe in a few days. The host did her best to tread lightly but couldn't help but question Lohan's decision. Lindsay, however, insisted that she would be fine. My brother is going to come with me. That's like the blind leading the blind. Yeah, no kidding. She explained, I'm going to be doing a yoga and meditation kind of retreat. Yeah, okay. Still, Oprah was not convinced, prompting Lindsay to argue further. I'm different. I feel different. Okay, she said that how many times? Okay. I'm different in head face. I don't want those things, and I want it that I want to do before. She stated before agreeing that she would consider Oprah's suggestion to stay a little closer to home. And um, pretty much that's the end of that that interview, but to me, this is my thing. I get so sick of these people, you know, with all this money, and you have a platform. Do you know how powerful of a platform you have? And you, instead of you doing something positive with it, you choose to do something negative with it. Like, you're not really taking that platform serious. You have a powerful, and I'm not just talking about the money, you know, you just the just the uh, recognition you have, you know. What I'm saying you could be out here being a voice for a good cause, but you want to, you know. It, it's just sickening to me. So I don't know what you guys feel about that, but I just wanted to bring that up. And you know, so many times when people have money, that, that's why I'm so glad to really be humble and just have. Uh, sometimes you wish you had money and power, but Really, there's a lot that comes with that, and I just it is. I feel sorry for some of these people to a certain extent because you're surrounded by so many people that do. You never know who who really has your best interest in heart. You see what I'm saying? So I really think that um, we should just be grateful, you know that that you know for what we have, and that we don't have to worry about some of those problems. You see what I'm saying? 
I guess I'm, mm-hmm. do you think that she, do you think that she realizes that she's lying out her ass? Or <laughs> do you think that she really and truly believes what she's saying? Cause oh, she's, no, she's lying. Because, I mean, when she says, oh, no, I don't want those things anymore. You are a recovering addict. You will want and fiend for those things for Mm -hmm. years to come. That's why they say that the recovery is an ongoing process. And and to me, like like Hmm. she said, I don't think she's taking this recovery serious. If she's still not taking this serious, why would she move to to Europe? Mm -hmm. You you think you're going to be out of the public eye? Because you're not here in the United States. Hmm. You mean that's up, up your she can get over there where everything's more permissible and nobody will give a damn. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, I don't that, know. That interview was so darn transparent. Like, I mean, it was it was just, you know, she tried. It, not tra- I don't know if I would say transparent, but, like, it was so, like, full of shit. In other words, Lindsay is pretty easy to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, just, I think I just, that. Uh, mm-hmm. Go ahead. I think that you know when it comes to start. Well, I'm a first to say this. You know, a lot of times these stars out here are going to tell people what quote unquote they want to hear, and they know good and well that it's contrary to the to how they truly feel. And I really believe that. She's doing this because she wants her fans to see this uh, this this um, new image of her. And, you know, I am going to say this. She knows that she's lying, but she's doing this because she just wants to cover up. But my thing is, too, that, you know, a lot of these rich people think that they are infallible. Okay, well, I go to jail and I get back out and everybody is still going to like me for who I am. Okay, time two, time three, time four, and the same thing happens. So my thing is this. If you constantly do something like that to land your behind in jail, then that means that you really are not taking your life nor your career seriously. So, um, and I honestly did not hear the um Interview, but I can only assume by what you all are saying that it was crazy. And but if I were to just sit down and just to listen, I would say that that's something that was just a cockamamie lie. Oh, flat out. Oh yeah. I would Isn't love it possible to see the that. actual interview uh, for myself because I can picture. I mean, I've got a an image here in my mind of Oprah, who is a not only is she a phenomenal interviewer. But her wisdom and her level of intelligence is just amazing. And, you know, she's sitting here and she's like, all right, I'm going to do this interview. And she goes through the interview. And I can see just if you could imagine a billboard on her head that's saying exactly what she's thinking when Lindsay is answering these things. I'd love to ad-lib the conversation. I would. Right. You know she's got to be sitting there going, lying bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, Lindsay Lohan, she was a child star. And how many child stars do you know that grew up uh, to be, you know, mature, healthy adults? Well, true, not very many. So um, I think some of the situation with Lindsay Lohan, and again, I must state that I don't pay much attention to her, don't 
not really concerned, don't care. But I think some of what some of her problems and issues may stem from her parents, the way her parents raised her, pushing her into uh, being a celebrity. I, I can't remember, but I thought I saw somewhere a few years ago something about an interview with her mother, and her mother was just a ditz or, or was just did not Back come now. off as a responsible mother. That wouldn't surprise me. You would then see probably just following in the footsteps of her parents, only in a more contemporary version then. Mm-hmm. I, Combined I with the money and the publicity. I agree. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of these parents, they're putting their kids into, you know, pushing their kids to be stars and everything because they want it, not so much that the kid wants it. I mean, look at all those little girls like JonBenet Ramsey and whatever that are pushed into doing these beauty pageants, you know. I, I, I mean, those kids, they're too young to know whether or not whether they want to, to do this or not. It's the parents that want it, not the kids. The kids are just doing it because mom and dad is saying do it. Yeah. I'm sure there's both sides to that. Right, yeah. But um, I don't know. I We don't know what was going on in the family before Lindsay Lohan got her first movie uh, contract, but, you know... <clears throat> I would hazard a guess that she probably didn't know whether or not she wanted to do this, and she got stuck in it, and her parents just was like, okay, you did great on that TV commercial. Now let's do a TV show. I think the allure show. of the easy money is probably the biggest thing. Yeah, that's what the parents wanted. Oh, yeah. And then, well, as you know, as a kid, too, if you're knocking down, you know, I don't know, Lindsay back when she was a kid, the time frame for the money and all that, you know, if you're knocking down, you know, Three, two or three hundred thousand dollars in a year, and you're a kid. That's good, pretty good. <laughs> mhm. Makes you want to learn to like it. <laughs> exactly. Or at least it would me. <laughs> I'd like so, to do know, that as an adult. <laughs> you know, she's I like twelve, thirteen years old on a movie set, and she's maybe witnessing some things that she shouldn't be witnessing at that age. And she, I agree it, with you there. That's probably very true. And uh, she may have thought, oh, these guys are having a great time. They're, they, you know, the, their life is great. I want to have some of that. And she can't handle it because she started. And if judging by how her mother was, too, in that interview, and I did see part of that interview with her mom a long time ago. Yeah, mom looked pretty, uh, well, let's put it this way. I don't think you she would impress anyone to make parent of the year. So let me ask you this. Do you think that some of those things that she has, think the reason why she is so out of control because she did, when she was exposed to those things at a young age? Yeah, that part I think I agree with Kane with on, you know, being on the movie set and it looks like a rather poor model for parenting and being exposed in the party culture, you know she had to be around it. You know she had to see it. With you know the it was probably raised her child. Yeah. So combine that with, you know, she might have been a very talented actress, but combine that, you know, it, the whole thing spells a recipe for disaster. Hopefully for her sake and her adult years here, you know, if you spend enough nights in jail, you start to learn how to figure out uh, – 
this guy is what got me here. Let's don't do this. Look at Robert Downey Jr. Is that, is that the right guy's name? Am I, or am I getting the wrong name? The the guy that was in Iron Man. Yeah, that's right. Right. His parents were hippies, and when he was a kid, his parents they they were they were like, "Oh, look, it's so cute. He smokes pot and he's getting high and everything and being silly." You know, they started him on this stuff, and that's why he had so much trouble with drug addiction later in life. You know, in and out of jail and and probation and rehab and everything. Uh, it's because well, maybe his then parents, there's hope his parents were he'll get it together like eventually he did. Yeah. Yeah, well, he seems to have have it together now. I mean, you don't ever, you know, being arrested for drunk driving or anything stupid like that anymore. Mm-hmm. But so he appears to have gotten it together. Well, so just, I, I remember she did another interview with um, I can't think of his name. My mind's going blank. But the um, guy that played in, in the part on the Partridge Family, uh, uh, can't think of his oh, name. Yeah. The kid that played the bass guitar in the band. Alex Gucci I'm trying. or whatever his name is. I can't remember his name, but yeah, that guy's a mess. Bonaducci. <laughs> yeah, Donnie Bonaducci. Yeah. yeah. yeah he, he went through the same thing growing up, being a child star, you know, and nobody was there to mentor him and to uh, mold him and to teach him how to manage his money and his success and his career. And he spiraled down the hill to spiraled down to and, you know, ended up an alcoholic and everything at a young age. And, you know, it's now that he's gotten to the point in his life where he's starting to rebuild himself. Um, he's, he's in a healthy relationship now. He's, he's really learning. And that's why I'm saying it gets to a point in life where we have to kind of take those. We can't blame our parents forever. We can't blame society. We can't blame the industry forever. You have to take some accountability over your life and reclaim your life at one point. You see what I'm saying? And I think a lot of times people hang on to that uh, People hang on to that stuff and use it as an excuse for their whole life. They use it as a crutch. And at a certain point, mama and daddy is, are going to be dead. So who are you going to blame me? You know what I'm saying? They dead, sleeping in their grave. You still holding on to what they did or what they didn't do for you. Mm-hmm. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I, I just, you know, I just wanted to bring that up for, you know, so I think that um, a lot of times. Well, back to Robert Downey Jr., I don't think he has ever blamed his parents. I saw a, a, a video or something where he was speaking with his parents, and they were having a very honest conversation about that stuff, about his childhood, and how his parents were saying, yeah, we used to give you drugs and, and everything, and, you know, and they were talking about that, and, you know, there was no no blame or no blame game or anything well, like that. They were just having an honest conversation about, yeah, that was that was dumb. That was a mistake. Well, I just I just think it's unfortunate and that's just crazy. You know, I'm... But again, look look at so many childhood stars where this has happened, same thing as Lindsay Lohan. I mean, and some of those childhood stars are dead now. You know, they like um, Corey Haim. He he battled the same issues. He's dead. Uh, you know, it's uh, he's. But then there are some childhood stars that uh, got through it and they're successful today. And and as far as we know, 
they don't have these problems. Like, um, uh, what's the kid that was in Home Alone? Uh, oh, no, he's messed up. <laughs> Is he? Yeah, I don't know. there's something not right with that guy. <laughs> I don't know. I, don't but know. You know I, I mean, I don't mean to cut you off, but I want to, before I got to move on, you know, getting back to Lindsay Lohan, you know, with all these people around her that don't really give a shit about the same thing could be said about Michael Jackson and his fate. Because I think if Michael Jackson didn't have all these people around him, you know, giving him these drugs and prescribing him these drugs and just saying to him instead of telling him no, he would probably still be alive today. You see what I'm saying? And that just drives on the point I was making earlier. These people have a bunch of vultures around them. They don't care about them. Well, I think he has also has bad them. parenting. They don't, they don't care about them. They don't give a damn. They just want to be They want to be on the scene getting that check. That You know what I'm saying? They, they want that money. They want that check to be cut to them. They want, they want to be where the party at. Where the party Do you party. think that is Isn't he also an example of bad parenting? Because I think I heard somewhere, uh, at least from um, one of his sisters, saying that his father was very controlling, you know, basically pushed them into the you know doing the music thing and everything, and just was not you know a very good parent. I don't know. I think in the case like of exasperating circumstance into the adulthood aspect, I mean, as like we talked about with Lindsay Lohan here, you know, I think like Seneca is telling you, know, you see this person that is wealthy, and they are obviously paying these people to work for them, and they're paying them, and these people are going to say or do whatever they want. Oh, yes, that looks wonderful, when it's probably the scariest thing you've ever seen in your life. Or, yes, I think, sure, have another drink. I'll go get you one. Keep my paycheck coming, please. Mm -hmm. You know, is it that vicious cycle of the money, but yet they get, it's like it feeds two things. One, it feeds the person, it feeds the employee's greed, but at the same time, it feeds the star's ego for the self-acceptance. Right. You know. Maybe it's all just a vicious cycle. Yeah, and that's... And that's well, you got to... In a situation like that, a person's got to have low self-esteem in the first place to be able to let these hangers-on take over. That's just... That's a low self-esteem issue. I don't even think it's that. I just think sometimes, like you said, I mean, like like, like I'm saying, especially if you're a child star, you around these people. You know, some people are naive. And, and people... Prey on, you know what I'm saying? Like it's, I, I think it's deeper than that. I, I think it's, it's deeper than that. That could be part of it, but, I, but like you said, you're dealing with mm-hmm. childhood stars that weren't really nurtured and they weren't really reinforced, so they weren't getting that. You know what I'm saying? The well, that's that. To, you know, if you haven't been properly nurtured as a child, you've got a self-esteem issue. You need, and then you got people stroking your ego, and you're like, "Oh, this feels great." You know, I didn't get this this much when I was a kid. You know, and um, you know, then you let that let those people, these hangers on, take advantage of you because first, you don't, you've got to look. 
mm-hmm. feels good and self fortitude to to face up and right. you or doing bad things to you or whatever. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay, um, I'm going to move on to my next story. Um, and while we're still talking about Oprah, there's another um, lady on her network that has a show um, by the name, well, her name is uh, Ayana Vanzant, and she used to make appearances on Oprah's show when it was on, um, on, on network TV, but she has a show on her network now called Ayana Fix My Life. And she has been known to do interventions for, like, big-time celebrities. Um, she's traveled the world. She's written books. She lost it all, but she's, she, she's regained it back. And she is a life coach that's been in the industry for at least 30 years. And she's well-respected in her field. Um, she did interventions for people like DMX. She's done um, interventions for um all types of reality stars, um, just different people in general. And she she gives pretty good advice. Um, I've seen her show on Oprah's Network, and it's a really good show. Um, and it, it, she she causes, she she forces people to look in the mirror and address their issues. And I think that she's really good. And I think in this in this particular clip, I want to bring this bring her up because she. Um, recently was interviewed on a show, and she made a good point. Um, And she pretty much calls, she challenges black women. And she calls them out for being reckless. And to me, I think, and and, and before I put this this, this claim on this, before we even get started, because I think a lot of times the black community is attacked, but see, there's, there's, there's two things you have to realize. There's there's people that are concerned about the state of the black community, and I and, and, and let me preface this by saying this doesn't reflect all black people. But what I'm saying when you talk about the general state of the black community, there's some people that are coming and that are coming to the forefront in an attitude of you know their concern, and they're coming from a place of love. And then you have some people that are coming to attack it. Are trying to act, they, they come as wolves in sheep's clothing as if they are concerned. And I think Ayana, in this case, she's telling the truth. She's coming from a self, a place of love. You know what I'm saying? Because she is addressing these black women as her sisters, and she's and she's breaking down the psychology of why these things are happening instead of just giving you a bunch of numbers. Because like that, they, like they're saying, I don't know how the thing goes, but like a lot of people, um, figures never lie, and liar, liars never figure or whatever. And some people use numbers to twist or manipulate a situation or make or prove their, you know, what I'm saying their 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 um, they have a ulterior motive and they try to use that. You know what I'm saying to justify what they're saying, but I think she's coming from a place of love, and she's just putting it out there. And you know, and it's not like she's totally putting them out. She's, she's complimenting them, and she's saying, "Why are we settling? And why are we uh, reducing ourselves 
down to this low level when we are so much better than them. You see what I'm saying? So I want to play this clip, and uh, when we come back, I see, I definitely want you to um, jump into this and tell me what you think, if that's all right. Mm-hmm. All right, we're going to go to this clip. It's about four minutes, but I think it's full of um, good stuff. And when we come back, uh, we're going to uh, talk about it. We have such a rich culture as women in this country, descendants of the parent race of humanity. We have such a rich culture. And in that culture, there are roles and purposes um, and powers. And we live in a society now where women are commodities, where women are demeaned, diminished, demoralized in ways that we accommodate. And if we really understood who we are as feminine representations of the creator of the universe, some of the things that we experience in life, like crying when the unemployed boo-boo leaves us, (laughs) and we really understood who we are, we wouldn't be so apt to let other people define us and confine us. We are out of order. The things that really disturb me uh, about how out of order we are uh, are the fact that we don't have clear boundaries and we let anyone do anything in our life. Anybody can do anything in our lives. I'm, talk- I'm not talking children. I'm talking the grown, big panty-wearing women, okay? that we give men, let me just say people, who are not honorable, respectful, sensitive to who we are. We give them reign in our lives in ways that make us mentally, emotionally, spiritually sick. We're out of order Let me just go ahead and say it. Let me just ask forgiveness now. There's no reason for us to continue to have children with men who don't honor us and don't take care of their children. Out of order. That we dishonor, betray, and defile one another. Oh, this is what I know. That every time I've been in trouble, be it in a relationship, financially, in my own personal unfoldment. It was another woman that stood with me, walked with me, cried with me, sat with me. It would be an affront to my spirit to dishonor another woman by betraying her confidence, sleeping with her man, not honoring my word to her, talking about her. I I couldn't do it. Because when my daughter died, it was other women who sat with me. When my husband left, it was other women who sat with me. When I turned over the keys of my house to the bank, rather than let it go in foreclosure, it was other women who rode around with me in my car to find me someplace to live. When I have to pack to travel, it's other women. When I need something done at home and I'm out on the it's other women. How can I defile other? We are out of order. Sleep with your sister's husband. Pluck your eye out right there. 
we've adopted to a society that doesn't honor us. Just imagine women, the first job of women of color in this country were to be someone's workhorse and their sexual slave. And we've adopted to those ways without doing the investigation of our own culture, what it means to be a woman a female representative of the creator of the universe, what it means to be a mother, what it means to be a sister. I, I can't even get to the wife yet. <laughs> but what, just what it means, what it means when I'm looking in your face and how I see myself and my creator looking back at me. How can I dishonor you as a woman? How can I do that? But So we're out of order because we've allowed too many things to, to influence how we see ourselves, how we treat ourselves, what we expect from ourselves, what we expect for ourselves. I mean, it's across the board as women, but it's more pronounced in the community of women of color. All right, we're back from that clip. And in that four-minute clip, there was a lot of powerful um, things said in that clip. And I think that Ayana, Ayana, um, she really brought the point home. And I think she did it in a respectful way. I think she did it in an honest and loved way and not, you know what I'm saying, but see, mm-hmm. listen to that clip. What what do you feel about that? <clears throat> what I want to say is that 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 woman was just like you said. She was powerful with her words, um, and I can say that as far as women, because that's what I am. You know, a lot of times you will find women that will degrade themselves because they feel like that is only what they're worth. You know, they will allow a man to do things like that to them because they are searching for love. And they feel as if, you know, that's the only way that um, a man is able to love them is if they are degrading them and beating them. But I think that she's so right that if a woman really knew her worth, she would understand that those things that um, that she is allowing to happen to her are not, you know, those, those aren't things that display love. Those aren't things that display, that displays compassion and concern. And you see in today's society all the way from, like she said, sleeping with your best friend's man or your sister's man or even out here prostituting your body, you know, um, just just doing things like that. They are searching for uh, something that will make them complete, something that will make them content. And, and like she said, they're searching in all the wrong places. And, you know, it's, it's just unfortunate that, um, that there are women out here that will put themselves in these circumstances all for the name of love. But, you know, when you're not taught how to love and when you're not showed true love, then you're going to go out here and you're and just like I said, you're going to think that being knocked upside your head is love. You're going to think mm. 
that your man putting you out here on the corner is love. You're going to think that uh, your man looking you dead in your eye but stealing your money and all this kind of stuff and not paying the bills. You think that that's love, and it's not. Um, I'm going to set myself outside of that because the way I was taught, so I'm not going to say that she was talking to me because I don't live my I don't live my life that way. But looking on the outside, seeing women like that, it is unfortunate. But I'm grateful that she said that because a lot of women need to listen to that and need to take heed to that. Will they listen to it? Will they truly adhere to it? Some will, some won't. But the fact is that that needed to be heard, and I'm glad that that was played tonight. Right. So let me ask you this. You, and, you know, the reason I want to get your opinion on it, not only are you a woman of color, but mostly because you're a woman in general, because I think a lot of these issues affect, mm-hmm. I, I think that it's not just a a thing of color, but I think that mm-hmm. these are issues that women deal with in general. And do you feel that mm-hmm. with the cult, the culture that we, or society that, that we're currently in, you think that, especially with all the reality shows we see, and just mm-hmm. just the media and just just society in general. Do you think that we have became like women? Have women been placed out there to be like that? To be vindictive? To be you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Has it, have groomed? Have we groomed a generation of women to be cutthroat, shady? Um, yeah. Not not caring about each, each other because I just feel that there's a lot of cattiness between women. It's a lot of competition. I said, you know, mm-hmm. if a woman over here has worked and got what she wants, you know, you know what she's want, she's mm-hmm. got a good husband, a good home, you have this woman over here that chose to live her life contrary to that, and she's just this woman over here that has it all, so she's going to try to steal her man. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, do you think mm-hmm. that we are, are, we, are, are we glorifying that culture, especially with these reality shows where women going back and forth with each other, ripping each other's hair out, you know, trying to sleep with this woman's man over here, trying to ruin her, trying to put her on blast, mm-hmm. hate because she got her grind, you know, she got her hustle, you know what I'm saying? Do you think that mm-hmm. we as society have endorsed that type of negative behavior? Yes, we have, absolutely, because when you have these reality shows that are absolutely absurd. A lot of them are absurd because you have these shows out here that are showing these generations the wrong way to be, the wrong way to live. And these people are grasping a hold of that now. I will say this, women by nature, because like I said, I am a woman, women by nature want attention. They want affection. You know, and they want to be loved, so they're going to do what. So there are women that's going to do what they need to do to get what they want. It's all about what they want. So you have women out here, and they will steal somebody's man because that's what they want. They feel like that that is what they have to have. You know, and the word that you use is vindictive. Absolutely, you know. They will go out here, they will go to these shopping centers, they will go out here and not even work, but they'll go out to these shopping centers and they'll steal pocketbooks and steal shirts and steal shoes. And believe me, I've seen them stuff them in places that I would never thought that they would even be able to fit. 
And they go out mm. there and they just wear the stuff and just think that they are top notch. And they think that they've done something clever. So now you got people looking at you, and they are assuming that you went out here and you worked hard for this outfit, but yet still you done set up there and you done stole it, jeopardizing your livelihood. So, yeah, so there are women out here who are extremely ignorant, and I'm using it for the word that it really is, a lack of knowledge. They don't understand that, you know, that they have worth. But they look at these worldly things, and they feel as if these worldly things are worldly pleasures. But these worldly pleasures that they're looking at are worldly disasters, and that's why they have just been knocked down completely. That's why women are looked at as hoes and sluts and prostitutes. That's why you have these men on these talk shows, the first word they want to call them you ain't number the slut, you ain't number the trick, you ain't number the hoe, you a whore, you know. And women have put themselves out there to be like that. Their actions display that. Do they truly believe in their mind that they're that? No. But their actions are making them look like that. So, yes, mm. you have these reality shows, you have these talk shows that um, – really enhances that behavior. And before these reality shows go out, they need to really understand that, hey, you are you are affecting the woman population. You are affecting the woman society as a whole. And these people look at it for popularity. Oh, my God, ooh, look at what she's doing and look at how she's talking, look at how she's acting, and they're going to grasp a hold of it. And they're going to act that same way, not thinking that it makes them look nasty, but they think that they're going to gain some popularity and some attention. Because, like I said, women want attention. So it's just, you know, and it's just terrible. It's so terrible. And, and this is and this is what I'm saying. And I and I think that I want to cover these issues, especially with the show that we're gonna be doing. I, you know, I need to get with you because I don't know if you think mm-hmm. this is a good idea. We need to do a sister to sister series because I mm-hmm. think there's a lot of issues that women are dealing with. Whether, like you said, whether whether it's self esteem issues, or you can even mm-hmm. take it to the family dynamic where there's a lot of mother daughter drama. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a lot of baby daddy drama, you know. There's there's mm-hmm. a lot of you know what I'm saying sister to sister mm-hmm. drama. It, it, it's so many dynamics that we can look at this thing from. So many you know some, yes. so many angles we can look at this from. And mm-hmm. um, I really think that a lot of issues, especially with jealousy, why is it like I know it's with a lot of women, you know, and I and I know you could probably you know why can't you know women come together. You know what I'm saying, and, 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 mm-hmm. and love and respect and pray for each other and, and, and come together for a worthy cause. It can't never be about that. It's always about, like you said, it's mm-hmm. like somebody trying to steal my shine. You know, I'm mm-hmm. greater than you. I got more than you. You know what I'm saying? And it's it, it can't never, it, It's about mm-hmm. that competition spirit. You mm-hmm. know, and to me, I, I really think that, you know, I think that would be a good series for us to do, the sister mm-hmm. sisters. Yeah. Um, you know, because I think a lot of these issues nobody want to talk on, especially the, the the mama and daughter drama, because you got a lot mm-hmm. of these mothers out here that jealous of their daughters. Mm-hmm. They, they oh, absolutely. Their daughters. 
they 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 see that the the daughter has a man. They want to steal the daughter's man. They see the mm-hmm. daughter look better than she do. She she done went to mm-hmm. school, got her education, and she want to talk about the daughter, run her mouth in the street. Like I was telling you about that woman at work. And see, you know, this is some, we need to be saving this for the show. But we, I'm pretty sure it's going to come back. How mm-hmm. dare you, as a mother, come to, to your job and talk to another woman that don't mean you no good? Because ain't no woman, mm-hmm. I'm going to say now, the reason why I know she don't mean you no good, because ain't no one going to sit there and let you run her chip, run. You know what I'm saying? They don't want to hear that. Mm-hmm. You're running your child right. down the ground and letting them hear that. You know, mm-hmm. I was just, she, this woman at work, she don't work there no more. Prime example of an old chicken head gone wrong. How you going <laughs> to sit there and talk about your child, talking about my child, my child, she, she's a, you know, she's this and she's that, and she's fast, tell she thinks she's grown, she's smelling herself, and she's this and mm. she's that. And it sounds like she's almost jealous of her daughter because she, re- she never really said anything that the daughter's done. But mm-hmm. she's talking about the daughter's this and the daughter's that. And like I said, like we mentioned earlier, if your daughter's all these uh-huh. negative things, then you need to look at yourself. And then sometimes it's not even that. I just think that the, the mothers are jealous of the daughters because the daughters, they see their potential in them, and they jealous. That's all they they they. they they mad because, like I'm gonna say, like a, a quote that Alexis Tyler, she, she's a she's a wonderful woman that I follow on YouTube. Like she said, by the time they kick the foot off in their ass, and they uh-huh. mad because they can't go back and get that time. So what they do, they try to ruin their daughter's life because they jealous. They don't have that time no more. Uh-huh. They see the daughter looks good. She shaped nice. She, you know, she she uh-huh. she's well spoken, educated. What's she going to do? Try to tear her down. Try to mm-hmm. sabotage. And what kind of woman are you and what kind of mother are you to put your own child down instead of build them up? Mm-hmm. Wouldn't, you, I, would you, wouldn't you want your child to be better than you? Absolutely. And go further than you did? Yes. Absolutely. That is the way that it needs to be because, you know, and that and that even goes with the behavior, that even goes with the appearance, that even goes for the education, everything. You're you are supposed to upbring your kids that when that when society looks at them, the first thing that they're gonna say is you've done a wonderful job with your child. You don't want people to say that, Oh, I'm so sorry for you. Oh my God, this is just a disaster and there are people who uh, raised their children just like that. And for that woman to really say that, I would say this, she was absolutely jealous, but instead of her sitting up here and not doing anything about it, it seems like she was also promoting it as well. Because if you never try to stop, first of all, it you you should never discipline your children starting at age 12 on on up. You have to discipline them when they first come out, when they first come out, because when they 12 and up, oh, they they are going to just, they are set in their ways. They already know what it is that they want to do, 
and there is no saying no. There's no saying you're not going to get this because nowadays they're going to kill you, they're going to shoot you, they're going to tie you up, they're going to do whatever they want to do to get their way. To Yes, to get their way. So that woman really needs to check herself because, and I hate to say this, but I'm going to say it, it may even get so bad to the point to where even though she's no longer at the job, you may find her on the news where they say they done found her dead somewhere because you because you never she's know. You never yes, know. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that will cause some serious problems for her. So it's too late to try to sit up here and say these dastardly things about your child. You had her. God created her, but you but you had her. You molded her and you made her into what she is today. So you need to look at yourself in the mirror. You need to blame yourself. Don't talk about her because she's a child. You did it. You did it. So now you deal with it. And just like the woman said on that clip, you put your big girl panties on, clean them first, but put your big girl panties on, and Ooh. take care of your Ooh. responsibilities. <laughs> Take right. care of them. And, and, and like she says, she says, how to get your children turn on you when they get to earth. They start smelling. Them. So I said, you know what? Speak for yourself. You don't speak for all mm-hmm. young people. And that's the problem. With, and I'm not trying to go off on, you know, on something else. But my thing is, that's mm-hmm. the problem with a lot of these people. You want to group all these young people in the same category. Yeah. Not all young people mm-hmm. out here doing that stuff. And I'll get so right. sick of him. But uh, Kane, um, I know you've been sitting there pretty quiet, and I, I want to let everybody know that Michael had to get off a little early tonight because um, he had something that he has to take care of early in the morning. But he just wanted to come um, on for a little bit, mm-hmm. um, so like around twelve. Um, but Kane, okay. did you have something that you wanted to add to that? And let me ask you this from a male's point of view: What problems do you see? And I'm just not talking about black women; just women in general. What problems do you see? As a man, like, like what what troubles you about um, women today? Like, what what do you think they need to work on, um, and ha- how has society uh, contributed to that dysfunction? What do I think uh, men and women need to work on as far as our relationships go in this, as far as this is concerned? Yeah, or just in general society. Like, I mean, especially, you know. I think, you know, I I see a lot of people, a lot of uh, boyfriends and girlfriends, whether um, no matter what race it is or if it's an interracial relationship, they <laughs> a lot of times they just are not mature. And uh, I, I see these immature people getting into relationships, and these are people that are 25, 30, 40 years old, and they're still like an 8-year-old child. You know, they don't know how to uh, resolve conflict or, you know, talk about things, and I don't know if that's a problem, an emotional problem with themselves or something that they just learned from their parents because, you know, it's, it's probably something that's just handed down generation after generation because they haven't been taught how to um you know deal with uh these things and 
uh, you know, it's embarrassing to see that stuff out in public when people are arguing and shouting and yelling at each other. And um, uh, for me, I I was raised well. Um, I, I I I know how to have a conversation with my loved one, and uh, and uh, you know. Yes, sometimes uh, in the past with previous girlfriends and relationships, uh, things have gotten to the shouting level. But um, you know, it hasn't been where it hasn't gotten to violence or anything like that. Um, we always came back and you know brought it, brought the temperature back down, and it's like, okay, let's calm down and take a break, and let's talk about this again here in a little bit after we've relaxed and. Um, um, I don't know. Um, I, I see a lot of this stuff here in Anderson. I mean, Anderson's got a problem with a lot of single mothers. You know, these guys coming and you know coming and uh, getting in relationships with women, and then these girls are getting pregnant. And then the guy just abandons them, and it's a shame. I, I swear to God, the, the the Anderson High School has a daycare ch- center for you know when they have the prom. These girls come to the prom with their dates, and they leave their kids at the uh, at the little daycare. You know, they have babysitters for them while they're at the prom. Oh, that's mm-hmm. it's ridiculous. Um, well, let me ask you this thing. Um, how you, I know you heard us. So I know you heard us. So sixteen and not sixteen, Lord, sixteen and pregnant. And one of the guys, I, I he's always in broad ripple. Um, I, and his name is Gary Owens, and he 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 was. I, mean, I haven't seen the show. I don't know if he's still on there. I don't know what, the, but I know he was a star on that show. And he was like, and, and like I said, that was a show that was just. The, from what I've seen of it, the, you know, it was just sickening how um, they glorified, you know, dysfunctional relationships. And it just made the women look like young sluts and whores. And I'm not trying to talk about young women, but, you know, it just it's, I think a lot of this stuff has to do with society and the media and how they glorify this stuff, especially amongst right. younger people. Well, something else I wanted to, to um, that I was thinking of as you and um, oh my God, I'm sorry, ma'am, I forget your name. C. C. Yep. As you and C were as you and C were speaking, it kind of reminded me of something else. This is coming from a completely different culture, an Asian culture. Um, there was a woman I was in a relationship with. And her mother is of Chinese descent, and um, she's a very controlling mother. And and uh, the the woman that I was in the relationship with, she was always telling me about how her mother was so controlling and always very critical of everything she did. I mean, she couldn't do anything right. Um, so. It was almost a little bit opposite of what you were talking about, Seneca, with the woman, your coworker that you described at work, um, okay. criticizing but 
trying to be critical in a an almost overly uh, uh, productive way, uh, you know, uh, productive criticism to the point where it was like overbearing and it was like uh, yeah. where she had no choice as to you know, oh, you chose the wrong color for the wallpaper, you know, this oh. is a better color, you know, that kind of thing. And it drove her nearly to suicide. She almost oh, wow. committed suicide because her mother was so controlling. Mm, mm, mm. And, and like I said, there's a reality in this stuff. This stuff is going on. Like, you know, they always talk about the parents on bed. But my thing is, if you if you aren't given the tools, like, and like, the, like, the old, like that cliche goes, or that saying goes, if you don't know any better, you ain't going to do no better. And and I and I'm a strong believer in that. If you don't know any better, how can you pass along any knowledge? I, and I think that unfortunately, life is not doesn't come with a manual. It doesn't come with a how-to uh, manual, <laughs> step by step. So we have to do the best we can. But see, there's resources out here now. You know, if if you want to become a better parent. Seek out the knowledge. You know what I'm saying? Um, you have to you have to make in your mind that you, especially women, you don't know what it takes to be a good mother. You don't know how what it takes to be a good woman. You don't know what it takes to be successful. You have to have enough drive in you to go out here and seek for those answers. Yep, and it's, me, it's, a, and, it's and a self-esteem think, and ego issue. You've got to be yeah. able to be strong to... Uh, and another thing, I want to touch on something that C was saying about uh, the child has to be disciplined before age 12 or else there is no discipline. Um, in a strong family relationship, you know, mom, dad, son, and, ch- and daughter, you know, family, uh, in my experience, I must have been disciplined well when I was younger or at least in the proper way. I don't know. But by the time I was 12 and older, see, when my when I did something wrong and my mom or dad said, you know, got angry and said, "Okay, you're not going out on Friday or Saturday night." I was like, "Oh, damn." But I didn't go out on Friday and Saturday night. So, uh so maybe there's something to what she was saying there, see that uh Discipline the kid right before they're 12 or 13, and after 12 or 13, they will be disciplined. Right. You have to, like you said, it's like you, you can't wait till they, they have to wait. You, you you can't wait till they're beyond the point where you can't mold them. You know, um, you have to get them while they're still flexible where, where you can impart that knowledge into them. Because, like you said, by the time they're in their teens, they already – Start to establish their own identity, and you know their and like C said, their ways are going to be set. You can't, you know, um, try to establish some type of order when you haven't had order all those years. Hell, I don't even blame them. My thing is, how are you going to sit here? You haven't been a parent all these years, and now I'm almost an adult. I'm getting to. I'm a young lady, a young man, and you now want to. To, to establish some type of law. No, you were out of order for not establishing order from the beginning. You know, another thing I noticed, 
when I lived in Columbus, Ohio, for a short time, I worked at a um, uh, what is the restaurant called? Uh, um, Seneca, help me out. There's one of these restaurants there on 38th and uh, and 465 Country Buffet oh, or yeah, 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 Golden Corral. Golden Corral. I worked at yeah. one of those buffets in Columbus, Ohio. It was over there on the the east side, and um, at the beginning of the month, um, when the the aid to uh, children checks were released, there was the same group of women would come into this con- uh, corral. Beginning of every month, you could time it because it's when the the, the ADC checks were sent out. And each one of these women had at least three kids each. And they were so unbehaved, the mothers and the children. There was no discipline. And I don't know if the – I can't honestly say whether these women had their, their had the, the fathers of their children present. Uh, I don't know. But with that many young children, and all these children were like – under the age of six or seven, mm. by themselves, don't you think it's going to be difficult as uh, one mother and maybe a present father to discipline that many children, you know, and take care of that many children, make sure that they are behaving correctly? Because these children did not seem to behave correctly, in my opinion, as a waiter helping them. What? I. I don't even know how to address this, but my thing is. Uh, and let me like, let me state also: these are multiracial parents and children. They were they are black, white, Latino. They they are all different races and ethnicities. So I don't, I don't know if that makes any difference or not. But no, it doesn't because unruly children are unruly children. You know, you can't just mm-hmm. place that issue on one group of people because you you know what I'm saying it, it doesn't make a difference because you have kids I mean you got white kids you got black kids that are doing things that they shouldn't do Latino kids it's it's not it's not a race thing like some some issues are not race motivated and especially like these day these days and times like you know it, I don't know you, you just can't you know it's I just think it's just a parenting thing I think it's a generational thing it's a generational thing. And, you know, how can you um, instill values and you're still a child yourself? You you, haven't you might have something you... there, Seneca, because my my father, he came from a family with seven siblings. His mom and dad, my grandparents, had eight children. And all of them, they are great, upstanding citizens. So, yeah, you might be right there. Maybe it's a generational thing. Do you have anything to... Yes, um, I would say this. Um, My grandmother, which was my mom's mom, um, and along with my grandfather, raised six children. And, um, and, you know, when they were being raised and everything, um, all of them had to come to the table and they had to eat at the same time. You know, and it was always homework and stuff being done together. And my grandmother and grandfather were um, the type of people where they disciplined 
their children. And I'm not talking about overly discipline them, but they discipline them to let them know I'm we're the parents and you're the child and don't you ever forget that. But I wanna say this too, that a lot of times, you know, there are certain situations where the parents can do all they can and you're still gonna have a batch of unruly kids because that's how they are. So, you know, that's the problem today because a lot of people cannot um, tell the difference between a bad parent and a good parent just with the kids that have gone on wrong. And I'll give you just a brief example, and I'm going to keep it short and sweet because I know we're going to move on. But um, I do have an uncle that that has been in the jail system from the time he was 12, and now he is approaching 50, and he is still um, stealing things, and he's still robbing people and, you know, was just released from jail not too long ago, has three children. You know, there's a time where you need to grow up, but but just like what we we said, when a child is set in their ways, you know, this this is an example of a child being taught right, a child being disciplined right, a child having that parent time, school time, all of that, but he just started going out with the wrong people, and they influenced him, and he turned out to be this person that I just don't even know anymore. So, yeah, so I do have to agree in a sense that you do that a lot of times when you do have these great parents out here that are doing the things that they need to do, a lot of times they're just kids that are out here that may just fall by the wayside. And I and I really think Absolutely. that, and I don't want to ever call a child evil. Some people just, I think some people are evil seed. Like, and I and I hate saying mm-hmm. that. You're some right. people are just evil, and and, and I hate, mm-hmm. and you know, and, and it's something that nobody wants to admit. But some people mm-hmm. are just, I think, are born to. They just have an evil seed in them, and That's I it. think that no matter what you do, it's just their fate. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, but most times, Absolutely. good parenting will, will result in good kids. But like you said, it's That's just right. sometimes no matter what you do, you know, you just mm-hmm. you can only do your best. That's well, right. It's 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 different every. It's different with everyone. Um, I I must admit, my my sister. Um, I think we had pretty decent parenting, but my sister, she. Uh, went off towards the bad end for a while there while she was in high school, and she made some bad choices, did some bad stuff. But then something happened, and and I don't know if it was just circumstances that forced her into joining the Army, but she ended up joining the Army, and something about joining the army straightened her out. Now she is an assistant. Uh, she's a vice principal of a high school. She's, uh, you know, she she got her act together. So uh, some people they go bad, and then circumstances force them to straighten out. Um, I I can't explain what it was that happened. All I can think is, you know, it must have been, you know, her, whatever it was that forced her to, that 
got her to join the army, joining the army and that that uh discipline that she got from the army straightened her out. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know. It's it's different with every person. Uh, you know, everyone's got a different story. So, you know, like see with your uncle, I I don't know. I you it sounds like from what you said he had some great grandparents, but Uncle, but you know it's different with everyone. All right, um, I want to move on. I think I had about one more story. Um, but yeah, um, or two more stories, and and it kind of relates to what I was saying about the reality TV and stuff earlier. No, no, no. I know I'm going to get too glad you said that about the reality TV with this preach these preachers. And I know we discussed this the other night, but I wanted to get on back on that because I know, see, I know you had something that you wanted to say about that. And then I wanted to end the show with that Facebook story, and then, you know, we, we called it. There was something I wanted to bring up also. Okay. All right. Um, yeah, what what you had to bring up real quick? Um, I don't know if you saw on the Young Turks uh, recent story. They did an interview with Richard Simmons, or no, not Richard Simmons, (laughs) Um, the guy that did Def Jam, what's his name, Simmons? Russell Simmons. Russell Simmons, I'm sorry, (laughs) I feel stupid. (laughs) Russell Simmons. It's okay. (laughs) He was in an argument with a guy that was on CNN and they were talking, they were going back and forth about the baggy pants that's popular with a, a lot of young men. You talking about the whole you see that? Lim- you talking about Don Lemons and that whole thing when he was agreeing yeah. with uh, Bill O'Reilly? Yeah, Don Lemon and uh, the, 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 the baggy pants and uh, Russell Simmons, he was on Young Turks talking about that. Did you guys see that? Um, I've heard about that situation, but I don't think I've seen that clip in, um... Well, maybe we can talk about that another time when you've had a chance to to check out the video. Well, yeah, um, but, because I know we've touched on that, and like I said, and that's why I kind of brought up this whole thing about Ayanna tonight because I think people bringing up um, issues, it, it's all well and good, but it's your motive and how you how you do it. You see what I'm saying? So that was my biggest thing about um, doing that. But I wanted to play this clip really quick about this preachers, these preachers of L.A., this, this reality show. And like I said, these reality shows are ridiculous. And I know See, you're going to go off when you hear this. And that's why I wanted to try this. Oh, I know God. Tonight, but I know you're going to go mm-hmm. off. And then I want to end the show with the uh, Florida man allegedly killing his wife and posting pictures on Facebook because we have a problem with Facebook and social media and how people are just going crazy. So we're going to play mm-hmm. this uh, clip really quick, and we're going to come back. Mm-hmm. 
forgive us of every sin, sins of omission, sins of commission, in the name of Jesus. Every chain can be broken. Every shackle can be broken. You're part of the family of God. God, we ask and we believe for your healing power and grace to touch his body and make him whole. Just by here say, Lord Jesus. Lord Jesus. Forgive me for my sins. Forgive me for my sins. I believe in my heart. I believe in my heart. That Jesus Christ. That Jesus Christ. Died for my sins. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I'm saved. I'm saved. Gibson. I'm Bishop Clarence E. McClendon. My name is Dietrich Haddon. I'm Wayne Cheney. My name is Jay Hazel. My name is Noel Jones. The Bible says that I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. I believe that. P. Diddy, J.C., they're not the only ones who should be driving Ferraris and living in large houses. The Bible says that those who sow among us should reap from us. That's implying that the preacher is to be taken care of. I like being successful. Security is a necessary part of what we do. Being a pastor is very dangerous because you have to be perfect at all times. People put you up on a pedestal that you can't live on. Pastors are people just like everybody else. It's all about truth for me from this point on. The truth about my baby out of wedlock, the truth about my divorce, it happened. There's nothing I can do about that. I'm a pastor, but at the end of the day, I'm a man. Does it ever get to a place where it's really not about love, but it's about winning? Winning what? Winning a a man or relationship? No, winning me. Winning me. You're not a prize. I am a prize. (laughs) That's right. Maybe I don't love you as much as you love me. Maybe you don't. And maybe I don't love you as much as you think I love you. I'm trying my best to balance it all. And just when you think you have it made, (laughs) can't do this. If we plan on having more children, I want to be married. We have more than a relationship like I'm your part of your, your congregation. I'm not. Don't pastor me. Best part of my job is helping hurting people. You're going to be who God called you to be. You're a leader. I didn't think it could be, young brothers, until it happened to me. My life has changed. Living in the street, dodging bullets, that's the low life. There's a life, brothers, where you can be free. I believe that no one is beyond redemption. What I really love about being a pastor is seeing people's lives change. Everywhere I go, I try to influence people. I try to help them. At the end of the day, this is what I was made to do. All right, we're back. Um, Seneca. That's, yeah, go ahead. Uh, I just want to jump in with something um, that I was thinking about as I was listening to this. Um, Please keep in mind, I'm not a practicing Christian, but I do know a little bit about Christianity and the Bible. Um, Some of these things that these guys said kind of bothers me. Um, Doesn't it say in the New Testament where 
Jesus rampaged through the church, I think it was in Jerusalem, uh, rampaged through the church protesting all the, the riches and all the money and everything that was going on and the and everything. And doesn't also in the or doesn't Jesus also say in the New Testament or at least imply that a leader of a flock should lead a life of austerity and um you know am I am I am I wrong in this? No, yes. That's the truth of it. And these guys seem to be contradicting that by their saying uh reaping from the flock. In other words, you know, basically letting the your flock. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I letting the flock that you are leading pay for your lifestyle. That that's just contradictory from to what uh they should be preaching as a minister if they um oh that 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 bothers me. Yeah. See what is what was what were you thinking when you heard this? Because there's a couple mm-hmm. things I wanna get to that, that bothers me, but I wanna know what bothers you about this. What bothers me is that they made a mockery of what God wants true ministers and true pastors to be. We know that as far as the word of God that every person's responsibility or purpose, especially a pastor being what they call a shepherd, his responsibility is to, you know, win souls to Christ by his living, by his preaching, by the things that he says, by the things that he does, and by and with the way that these people were acting or talking on this show was absolutely a disgrace. To just ooh, ooh mm. when one guy said when <laughs> when the one quote unquote pastor said that uh, he was perfect or that pastors are supposed to be perfect. No, but pastors aren't supposed to be right in the way that they're living when it comes to the word of God. And you know he's when he was talking he was about angry. He was angry. Now, one guy, yeah. he, he won't even marry yeah, that he's woman, angry. The, the mother of his child. He won't even marry her. Well, what's up with that? Or is that the impression I got? Let me say this. Let me say, they got the, and this is the thing about reality TV. They want to get these nobodies that are irrelevant now, like Pastor mm-hmm. Clarence McClendon. And I'm not going to get started on him because mm-hmm. he was the same one that divorced his wife and six days later got mm-hmm. remarried. Mm-hmm. One of them on there, and then you have bootleg, jack leg. Uh, uh, what's that guy, Dietrich Haddon on there? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And it's just like you know what, y'all are a disgrace. And then you know you sit yeah. on here talking about, well, if Jay Z and them can drive Ferraris, why can't I have one? Let me yes. tell you something. You you want to drive a Ferrari, but what about the people in your congregation that are giving their last? So that you can live yeah, they want to drive Ferraris too. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it's it's sickening. Mm-hmm. And you probably use the word of God talking about. Well, that implies that the man of God needs to be taken care of. <laughs> so <laughs> pretty much, what you're, saying, you're in you're in the ministry for all the wrong reasons. 
That's right. You won't benefit. That's, yep. that's what you want. Because, you know, just like his word said, and I am going to say this, when it says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness and all these other things shall be added unto you. You know, you don't get in there just to have your uh, congregation to pay you or to pay for your jet and to pay for your cars and to pay for your clothing. And just to think that that's the only reason why they have this show is because they want to reap these benefits. And that makes me question, you know, are you truly saved? You know what I mean? Like uh. that makes me question. But, but I know that um, we can we can only go by what they confess, and if they say they've accepted Christ, then fine. But I'm saying, but their behavior makes a person question. You know, what are you truly in this for? But because see, they don't have, they don't have accountability for that. They don't have to. Yeah, they are. Yes, they are. Mhm. Absolutely. And then what gets me is that now they got people looking at this, and they and now they they are teaching people through this reality show that this is what it's all about. And it's not. So they're taking people away from the true word of God and they're implementing what it is that they want people to learn and what they want people to know. And that's and you can't take away from the word of God. You cannot do that. And, and you can't tamper with it and you can't play with it. I'm just speaking Christian because I believe in Jesus Christ. He's my Savior and I'm just going to say it. You cannot get on television and live that way and act that way just to get money, just to get these riches and benefits. And just like you said, accountability is the whole word, accountability. And God knows that he's not going to forget that. And they ought to be ashamed of themselves. I wonder how many people, uh, this is going to be a cynical statement, um, I wonder how many people that are members of these um, churches are going to leave the church and how many are going to stay in the church just because they see themselves on the TV show. Hmm. Wow. I have no idea, but you know what? I think this, that it seems like, you know, when they see themselves on here, they're seeing one thing. But then when the show is over and they've gone on about their business, then they're going to see that it's really not about that. So now they're going to, so I do understand what you're saying. So now they're going to be torn. You know, like if they like like if they really were not rooted and grounded in the word of God, then they're really then they're going to be torn. Well, and it's going imagine, to be crazy. I would imagine uh, I, I watched the uh, the trailer for the show that uh, Senia, or Seneca just showed, and I would imagine that many of the people in these um, churches have seen, uh, for example, that pastor driving the uh, fancy car. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't imagine some people seeing that and uh, being upset and not staying in the church if they're still in that church and witnessing, you know, the the, the bling that the guy has and the, the, the car and everything, they must have accepted uh, their pastor's mm-hmm. lifestyle. So they must be blinding themselves to... Exactly. To what that what's going on? Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. I don't know. The pastors, well, to me, and it seems like the pastor is telling them what they want to hear. See, it's this game, it's this scheme going on with this. This pastor or these pastors know what this congregation wants to hear and see, and they uh, do a little run with their voice and they uh, uh, pant and they uh, cough and uh, gag and all this crap while they're up there preaching. And they know that this congregation is into that and they tell them what it is that they want to hear. But they're not telling them what thus said the Lord. So absolutely, they are blind to the fact that he got this bling bling on and he's driving these five or six cars and that this offering that they are putting forth is not an offering that's going to God, but it's the offering that's going to this man. And you're right, they are blinded by that. And until their eyes are open, that's just how it's going to be. Well, something's going to happen down the road that's going to destroy these churches. Something's going to happen. Um, whether it's a sex scandal or the 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 pastor <laughs> continues to spend more money on himself and his family, or, mm-hmm. um, I don't know. Something's going to happen. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't see a long life for these churches after this TV show because these people are going to watch the show. Other people like you, yourself and myself that are may see the the show are going to be critical. Um, it, it, I, it's just not going to end well. I don't think these churches are going to last long after this TV show. Mm-hmm. Well, I think they have a petition trying to keep that show off the air. Mm-hmm. They need but like uh, there should be no petition. When we were talking about the other night, is it good that this show's airing because it's going to expose them, or does it not even need to be on air? Uh, people just need to ignore the show. Don't even bother with a petition. Just ignore it, and the ratings will will kill it. Yeah, yeah but you're going to already have people people that are just dead set against that petition and they are just fanatics of this show because of who is starting or because of who's playing on in this show. So even though this petition is out here, you know there's still going to be a handful of people that are still going to give this show rating, you know, because that's just how people are. But, I mean, but I'm really waiting to see how this whole thing is going to turn out. Seneca, what um, station does that come on? Um, I don't really have the network for it, um, mm-hmm. but um, they, I, and I'm not sure that it actually came on yet. But I know, mm-hmm. uh, okay, yeah, don't have that information. And okay. I should, and I know what I meant to look that up too, and I didn't. I said I was going to be prepared to okay. have that tonight, and it slipped my mind, but. Um, mm-hmm. it's it's just really sad that we have stooped to an all time low, and reality mm-hmm. TV has already stooped to. Why would you want it? And you call yourself Christian, and you you it's on the oxygen by network. You allowing the world to dictate your behavior instead of you influencing the world, and and you're engaged mm-hmm. in like what what? How bad could you get to where you want to be a reality TV star? You're a preacher. And you know the only huh. people that go on reality TVs are sluts and whores and and jump mm-hmm. balls, people who don't have a career and that are trying to 
trying to be relevant still, and they're trying to steal somebody right. else's man. That's the only type of people that are on these shows. And you as a mm-hmm. preacher are going to pretty much engage in this type of nonsense. Yeah. Uh, see, the the show is on the Oxygen Network. Oxygen, okay. Okay, thank you. Um, yeah, as we, as I mentioned last week, uh, one of the reasons we have all these stupid reality shows is because they're so cheap to um, to make. You know, they the the networks don't have to hire writers. They don't have to hire you know crews to do special effects and stunts, stuntmen and everything. You know, they just get these people to sign a, a contract and they just let them act stupid and they just put the camera on them and they have a buffet when they're not filming. Um, I have to say I'm a fan of some reality TV shows, but I'm very picky about the reality TV shows I watch. I watch Survivor. That's about it. Maybe one and, or two and other. And so sad these people... They don't even have. They don't probably even pay them little enough. They tell them to get on TV. Their their attention starves people. They probably pay them little enough. And like we were talking last night, and and, and they don't have. You know, they get on there, cut the camera on, and they're ready to. They're ready to scheme, manipulate. Um, they're ready mm-hmm. to turn on their own family, their own friends. They don't care. And and like I said, mm-hmm. for a preacher. Get involved with this stuff. What has happened? Happened to the church to where we are no longer an influence on the world, and but they're an influence on. You know, mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. why I just wanted to bring that up. Um, well, really if, quick. If, if they were real, real pastors that took their uh, their calling seriously, they wouldn't be doing the show. Um, because um, I don't know that's kind of like an invasion of privacy in inviting the whole nation to watch your 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 uh, your flock or to be involved in that. I don't know. I'm from the short time that I attended uh, church. I cannot imagine. The pastors that I I uh, had relationships with doing something like this, because you know, going to church and being a membership of that uh, church that's a private thing. Mm-hmm. Well, I have one more story I want to do because it's twelve thirty now, and. Uh, mm-hmm. I want to do uh, the story about the guy that killed that woman and put it on Facebook. And this comes from CNN. Florida man allegedly killed wife in post-confession photo of body on Facebook. Hmm. And, of course, this comes out of the ratchet state of Florida. So many hmm. of these crazy stories come out of, but I'm not going to go there right now. All right. Hmm. I wonder if he's going to do the defensive... Uh, Uh, hitting him, attacking him. Okay, let me read the story. CNN, who confessed to a lot of things on Facebook, 
their frustration, bad habits, secret longings, and new loves. A Florida man confessed to something more, much more sinister Thursday. He said he killed his wife. Derek Medina, 31, posted a picture of Jennifer Alfonso's bloody, stained body collapsing and contorted on a kitchen floor to his Facebook feed to a note, according to the authorities. Quote, I'm going to prison or death sentence for killing my wife. Love you guys. Miss you guys. Take care, Facebook. People, you will see me in the news. He purportedly wrote, why people share murder and rape on Facebook? Um, Medina, who lives in South Miami, drove to see his family to tell them what he did. Then he turned himself into the police, according to his arrest affidavit. He is being held without bond on a preliminary charge of first-degree murder. The Miami-Dade State Police Attorney's Office spokesperson told CNN, the court has 21 days to formally charge Medina. Facebook friends comment on the photos in shock. What happened, Derek? What? That is my friend there. Okay, I got to stop there. First of all, if I see that mess on Facebook, I'm not commenting. I'm going to be calling 911. What the hell is wrong with you guys? Mm-hmm. Like, seriously, who, who who gets on Facebook and says anything? I would not be saying mm-hmm. anything. I would get off of Facebook and I would be calling somebody. That's, mm-hmm. that's, that's, that's number one right there. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Okay, let me continue. Other Facebook users reacted with disgust to posting of the picture of his wife's corpse. She was 26. This is crazy. OMG. Guy kills his wife and posts his in Facebook. The disgust did not prevent commenters from sharing Medina's photo again and again. That's sick. That's sick. When evidence goes viral. The gruesome image stayed online and was passed along for at least five hours. Facebook was notified of the content and employees removed the picture and disabled Medina's page in that of his deceased wife, according to Facebook. In this note, Medina accused his wife of abusing him and asked his friends for their understanding for what he did to her because of it. The police report with his confession cast a more detailed light on the course of the event. This was Medina's account to the Miami police. Um, he and his wife argued. He pulled a gun on her. She threatened to leave him. He put the gun away and followed her. She unloaded a volley of punches on him. He fetched the gun again. She pulled a knife. He wrestled it out of her hand. She punched him again. Then he shot her multiple times. Opinion. The dark side of social media. He felt uh, certain she was dead. He did not call 911. The affidavit states he changed his clothes after seeing his family, went to the police station, and began the process of confessing. After he gave the police his address, then he drove to the scene where they found the body. The couple's 10 year old daughter was also still in the house, police said. She was physically unharmed. Medina self-published 
self-help book. Check this out. This man published self-help books and maintained a website called EmotionalWriter.com. His books claim to be about, quote-unquote, effective communication and, quote-unquote, marriage counseling tips, according to the website. Quote, Derek Medina is an emotional writer. His goal is to save people's lives through his books that he has published, the website says. My goal is for you, the readers, to open up your eyes and change for the better, unquote. Hours before slaying, before the slaying, Medina posted a picture of his wife, his daughter, and himself having dinner together outdoors at a marina. They were all smiling. Whew, that was a deep story, and that's why I wanted to get on this. It's a hot mess. That's horrible. That's scary. Um, Well, I I looked up this information also, and his uh, self-help books that he published, uh, those e-books, they have ridiculously titled uh, uh, books and and, you know, just by looking at these titles of these books, they're they're really long titles, and um, it just kind of makes you think, you know, this guy really doesn't know what he's talking about. Well, the irony behind that he would even attempt to uh, try to counsel married couples and, like you said, put these books out here, it's just crazy within itself, even if how ridiculous it is, but it's just kind of ironic that he doesn't even have his own life and his own business. And what makes this even more unsettling is the fact that the 10-year-old daughter was in the house um, when all this was taking place. Like, that, that, that is what is the most um, disturbing fact to me in this whole story. And now that, that she's experienced this, like, you know, she's going to need some type of professional help. She's going to be dealing with some issues all along. And now what's so sad about it, not only has she lost one parent, but she's lost both. Well, she's lost both her parents. Like, you know, her father's going to be going away to prison. Her mother's dead. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying she doesn't have anybody else in the family that's going to look after her, but both parents are gone. Like, you know, it's just a sad situation. There's nothing good that came out of this story whatsoever. And it's just so sickening that people are comfortable enough to put this type of stuff on Facebook, and they're just so, like, desensitized to it. Like, like, Seneca, that's what you just just hit the the key word, desensitized. Um, That's why... People were passing these this stuff around on Facebook instead of calling nine one one. They're desensitized. Yeah, it's just it's just really unfortunate. Like it's just sad. Like just and, and like I said, people are getting really. I don't know what it is with Facebook, but people post like the most incriminating things on there. Like, um, like how you want to fight people or how like. Those young teens in Chicago that posted that rape of that girl that they lured to the park, you know, it's just it's sickening that people are just that bold. And really, you're just helping the police out. Like, I mean, that's all you're doing. So, you know, uh, 
this is just a creepy story. Like and like they said, they he just posted a picture hours before that of them in this little happy go lucky environment where they were all smiling and happy. And and you go from that to the extreme opposite to where he's posting a picture of her online dead. Like that's just so ridiculous to me. They're gonna show you that you know, just because things ain't all always what they seem to be. And one day, someone may be, you know what I'm saying, you may think that a person has it all, they have this wonderful and perfect relationship, and the next day you're hearing about this, hearing about them on the news. So I don't know. Um, I don't know. I'm, I post a lot of my stuff on Facebook, you know, like pictures of my garden, uh, food I made, um, videos of me driving down the road or whatever. Um, I also post uh, links from uh, videos I find on the Internet. I try to avoid posting anything, you know, uh, of violence or, you know, shocking material. You know, I, I try to avoid... Uh, Posting that kind of stuff, you know, like maybe if I'm looking on fate or uh, uh, Live Leak, you know, which has a lot of violent uh, and shocking videos. But on Live Leak, you'll see like a picture or a video of uh, a cute little kitty cat doing something or something like that. I'll post that on my Facebook, but you know, I I, I try to keep my my Facebook page clear of stuff like that, you know, violent stuff. And that's how it should be. It's that kind of crap. Yeah. I'll watch it in my personal life, but I don't want to share it with other people that will find it offensive. Mm Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's all I had tonight. I think oh, C got disconnected, but I just want to thank you guys for coming on the show tonight. I just wanted to finish the stories up and kind of uh, delve in deeper into the stories that we briefly covered. But um, until then, I mean, I think that's about it. Um, like I said, be tuned in to our new show on Wednesday, Reality Check 317. And until then, uh, you can still continue listening to the Urban Wire. Um, uh, information is going to be um, in the link and um, below on this page if you if you um, come to the site directly. But um, yeah, that's that's about it. You have anything else before we get off here? Um. No, I don't really have anything else to say. All right. Well, good night, everybody, and we will talk to you next week.